0: I'm working backwards. And so I know already what's at the end. Now I can help the athlete navigate what's in between. We're gonna go out on the field. We're gonna score as many goals as we can. We're gonna have fun. Well, well placed. Come on
1: Jake, come on Jay. It has been my pleasure and my honor to represent you all. Hello, listeners. I'm right now coming to you from a closet in Chicago. Very excited to start my one-year master's in sports journalism next week, but enough about me. Let's talk about the show today. As a podcast focused on all things that come with life after being a competitive athlete, and really with this emphasis on the many aspects of retired athlete wellness, you know, we talk about the mental and the the physical, the emotional, I was thinking it's time for an episode on financial wellness. That's part of it. That's one of the things I'm trying to do here. And I talk about this on the Run Along Podcast website. It's interesting. I think one of the draws or one of the main narratives, at least, that was coming up while I was digging into this concept of the retired athlete community. How are they being supported? How is this transition for them? It was the TMZ-style, sensationalized magazine headline about the Hall of Famer that went bankrupt. You know, this, they had it all and then they lost it all, fall from grace sort of idea. And it's really problematic. Um, I won't go too much into that, but beyond the clickbaitiness of those headlines, there is something to that. Statistics do show that pro athletes are very at risk for getting themselves into financial hot water after their playing days are over and after that nice paycheck stops rolling in. A Sports Illustrated study from a few years ago reported that 78% of NFL players file for bankruptcy or are under financial stress within two years of retirement. 60% of NBA players suffer the same fate within five years of retirement. Also within five years of retirement, an MLB player is four times more likely to file for bankruptcy than the average US citizen. Finally, over in England, of Premier League players file for bankruptcy within five years of retirement. So this was identified as such a problem that organizations like the NFL, like the U.S. Olympic Committee, started setting up programs and trainings designed to specifically help athletes make smarter business decisions and manage their wealth. But there are a few tiers to this discussion of finances and the retired athlete that, I was curious about diving into. What about that D1 athlete who was on a full ride and having stuff paid for, and now they're working a nine-to-five, and that's not the case? What about the pro-female athletes? Assuming they're not tennis players. What about the pro-female athletes who don't have nearly as big of a paycheck as their male counterparts? What about them? And hey, what about me, a retired D3 soccer player turned fledgling journalist turned grad school student. Or what about you? Today on the show.
0: My name is uh, Carlos Diaz Jr. I'm a financial advisor, uh, part of MVP Wealth, which is a subsidiary of Diaz Wealth. And uh, Diaz Wealth is what they call a registered investment advisor firm. So we are the investment arm and um, we work with professional athletes from a financial planning standpoint.
1: A subject expert is gonna tackle it all. He's written for TD Ameritrade, MarketWatch, Forbes, all sorts of reputable financial outlets on the why and how behind retired athletes going broke. And he also works with the average population, guiding them in getting their finances in order and building wealth. Diaz Jr. actually wanted to be a sports agent at first, way back in the day. Then he found himself in the financial services industry in 2005, working with people in all sorts of financial situations at different stages in their life. Not long after, he merged the two.
0: But I didn't do that immediately because I wanted to make sure I had enough knowledge and a lot of experience with a lot of other people. So working with pre-retirees and retirees and business owners, that I could be able to understand the athlete a lot better. And oddly enough, working with retirees especially, I'm working backwards. And so I know already what's at the end. And now I can help the athlete navigate what's in between.
1: Right. What it is what is it that you enjoy about working with athletes? Is there anything, you know, do they tend to to be more, you know, like head in the clouds, not maybe have the greatest sense of reality? Is that like something that's hard about working with athletes? Or what do you find are the, are the pros and cons or just the trials and uh, the joys of it?
0: What I like about it is that they are actually the Younger, they represent the younger generation that I want to be able to move forward and be able to get ahead, both mentally and uh, as far as also with their finances. Because you know there is there is a little bit of a gap, or actually there's a quite a bit of a gap between obviously retirees and business owners, which are typically older, you know, over forty. And now you have these young guys, young girls, whoever they're coming in they're making a lot of money all of a sudden, and no one's really giving them giving them the right guidance from what I see for the most part, there are there are definitely a few. But a lot of people are using these uh, cookie cutter systems. And so what I like about it is that I'm able to take somebody that's young, and mold them and expand their mind so much more that they don't see everything from inside of a box.
1: Obviously, Athletes have become pros, have come into a lot of money um, since you know, sports started becoming the business that it now is in America, probably decades and decades ago. Do you think the athletes of today, the, the millennial athletes, I mean, we're coming up on those Gen Z athletes, have is there a difference in, in their mindset and their perspective about their pro careers and how to approach it um, life after sport when that's coming? than maybe, you know, a couple decades ago.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's definitely been an evolution in the professional athlete from many years ago where, and obviously our business environment has expanded, has expanded so much that a lot of the athletes that come in today are not using, let's just say football or basketball, just as the only sport they're using it as a leg up to start other businesses like lebron james for instance and do a lot of philanthropic work in order to get themselves ahead after their career ends and so and even and even with technology i would say that in today's world especially the gen z athlete you know even even in my generation which i'm on the tail end of the the uh, millennial but um we are we are a lot more savvier type of person just in general than a lot of the other generations before. No offense, but it just is what it is. A lot of us are doing a lot more reading. A lot of us want have a thirst for knowledge, and that's the same way that I see athletes today, which is probably one of the other reasons why I enjoy working with them.
1: Yeah, I was uh, just talking to uh, someone about how Pat Pat Mahomes Patrick Mahomes, I guess his dad is Pat um but what was it the Kansas City Royals a share of the Kansas City Royals
0: yeah and um Dwayne the Rock Johnson just purchased right. a, a good share of the XFL <laughs> and obviously and obviously the Rock I remember when when the Rock used to be a wrestler and he just had such a progressive ideology that he was looking ahead that now he went from Collegiate football player playing for the Miami Hurricanes to becoming a wrestler to getting into movies and now looking beyond just what he can do with his income and looking at things from a passive standpoint. Right. Right.
1: And just the evolution, like you said, of of the athlete as brand. I mean, it's not really like Larry Bird was coming up with a a perfume or a fashion line and hosting a podcast and all the things that we see athletes doing now.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing that that I didn't mention, which I have to pay respect to, you know, the former athletes is somebody at some point had to lay the foundation for this new generation of athlete. So obviously we have the, uh, you know, the Michael Jordans that started off with shoe deals and cologne, just like, You just said, so somebody had to lay that foundation down because things just, you don't, you don't build something overnight, but a lot of these former professional athletes did lay the foundation down that is today.
1: You know, maybe they're 22, 23 coming out of college. You're sitting down with them. What's a 10, 15 year plan that you're developing? Maybe just really basically what, yeah. What are you outlining? What variables do you consider? You know, I'm thinking injuries or like bonuses. Yeah, how does that work?
0: You know, the interesting thing about that conversation is that, you know, there's a lot of studies that are out there that obviously were not developed until at least I think about age 25. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it is very difficult to have a conversation with someone that's younger because they feel a lot more invincible. They don't think that their career is gonna be as short as it is. They think that they have a long career. And so a lot of the things that we think about in our maybe late 20s, early 30s, they're not, thinking, they're not thinking long-term at a young age. They think that they have a lot of length in their career when in fact, a lot of times I end up showing the uh, statistics, going, breaking it down by each position. And really it's a short career length.
1: The average career for the big three pro leagues in the U.S. is just a little over four years.
0: A lot of times it also has to do with belief. I mean, a lot of people have to believe that that might happen. Some people, again, believe that those statistics don't apply to them. So every person is just completely different. It is a little bit more difficult having a conversation with a rookie athlete versus a veteran because a veteran's already in that mindset and they've been playing Mm -hmm. for a few years already accustomed Mm -hmm. I imagine
1: too, when you're making these large sums of money that there's a detachment there. You, you don't maybe feel like it's, it's, you know, it's maybe more numbers on a page than something that you actively feel like is yours and need to keep track of.
0: It is. That's absolutely true. I mean, it's like I hear this almost day in and day out. And at least in the last week, I've heard it three to four different times about how a lot of the athletes come from a background where there wasn't a lot of money in the household and now all of a sudden they come into a large sum of money, it happens the same exact way with people that win the lottery. And Mm -hmm. so you start treating things differently and then you might get back to that same position that you were before. So part of it is really a mindset but you know, life, life is all about learning. Unfortunately, with times, you can not say things enough. It's all by trial and error, and people have to learn growing pains. So that's, that's what it is, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> and again, for, for decades, we've kind of seen this um, yeah, young athlete comes into a lot of money, and now they start having friends coming out from the world work that they maybe haven't talked to in a few years. Maybe they have family members. Um, hitting them up to help them out. What are some of the unique elements of the financial situation so many pros find themselves in when they start out and what they really need to, to manage?
0: You know, I usually say that you have to always worry about the sharks, but the word sharks, sometimes I don't give a complete definition because that could be any, anything from family members to friends, financial advisors, accountants, attorneys, agents. You name it. Anybody, it's almost like you have to seal yourself off from the world. But uh, Philip Buchanan had a great book a few years ago.
1: Buchanan is a former NFL cornerback. He played in the league for nine seasons. He wrote a book called New Money, Staying Rich.
0: And his problem, I would say, was with his own family
1: in the book he talked about how his mother wanted 1 million dollars immediately after he got drafted by the Oakland Raiders as quote compensation for raising him
0: and that could be an issue you know could have parents that are just looking at from a financial standpoint i mean there's always going to be somebody that's out there looking at you as as a dollar sign in a way that they can make money off of you
1: how does a young professional athlete kind of Uh, or just highly touted athlete quiet that noise and what do they know who to listen to how do they kind of figure that out
0: yeah you know that's a very that's a very difficult question because a (laughs) lot of times you can have people that look good sound good but at the end have really bad intentions and I will commend a lot of the families from today especially a lot of the families and a lot of the players that went through this year's NFL draft their parents are taking the initiative embedding people the problem is, is, they're not really vetting people maybe 100% correctly. They're looking at just from one angle. But uh, really, really what you want to know is you want to know how people are, you know, what their intentions are, what they want to do. And Really take a look from the outside and think about it and say, why is this guy always around me? You know, why is that guy always trying to tell me, you know, what to do, et cetera? And, and really see if maybe also you know, you have an, you have an agent that's just constantly directing you to these people. And, you know, essentially you're part of their group. You're not your own entity.
1: What for financial advice, people like in your position, is there like an, an overseeing body that, you know, if a young athlete is looking, who do I want? Yeah. In my circle, who do I want as my point person that they can kind of see in that way? I mean, is, are you just looking for the acronym CPA at the end of their their title or at the end of their name, I mean?
0: You cannot rely necessarily on an entity such as the bar or the NFLPA or in my business, FINRA or the SEC, because there have been a lot of times that have been around attorneys that then became disparred because they stole money from their clients. If you're able to look at things and you're able to have people that can give you a second opinion, then that's really a lot of times the best that you can do. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, some, in some instances, you cannot mitigate scams. You can't eliminate complete, you know, completely scams because a lot of things are becoming a lot more elaborate. But if you've done a lot of research, if you've been able to get second, maybe even a third opinion, then at the end of the day, you should feel at peace because you did as much as possible. I think in a lot of these scenarios, People just relied on somebody blindly. You as the individual need to really do your own research and you need to be educated because it's like I always say, and it's a saying that's been out there, the only person that's going to care more about your own money is you.
1: And I think going off that's a nice segue. It's uh, it's sad. This is a headline I think all of us have seen in one form or another uh, at a point insert name of star household athlete files for bankruptcy. Uh, what, what happened here? Where, where did they go wrong? What's, what's your first thought when you see that?
0: Uh, first thought that comes to my mind is they had horrible counsel. I mean, they had a lot of yes, men Mm -hmm. and really kind of goes in line with what we were saying before is you have to be able to say no, but the problem is that you also don't want to say no to the wrong person that can help you get ahead. They probably either had some really bad counsel, or they they got into some really bad groups, and you don't know the whole backstory. Maybe they had some kind of deal because somebody gave them ten thousand dollars in cash, and this is ultimately what happened because of it. You just never know what the backstory is. Just really interesting. I mean, I, I look at different things and I say, well, you know, maybe could they have budgeted a little bit better? You know, maybe could they have saved a lot more? And you know, you could say yes. To all those answers, but again, it's the circle that you're running in. You know, if, if you're running in a circle where somebody is just, especially a financial advisor, you know, they're looking to sell you a bunch of products or they're looking to get you in all these exquisite private equity deals. It's just a bad scenario in the end, where maybe you just trusted somebody, or maybe they did something for you. And this is kind of like you're okay, we're we're on an even playing field. But then all of a sudden, you really just put in way too many of your chips and lost them.
1: In a recent Market Watch interview, Diaz highlighted a few big mistakes pro athletes make in hiring a financial advisor. Some of the things he pointed out include an athlete signing a contract or power of attorney before even receiving money. Just choosing an advisor or firm because they have a sports specific division. Picking an advisor based on their current clients or testimonials. Hey, this guy works with first-round draft picks. I want to work with him sort of thing. Choosing an advisor through their sports agent. Could be well-intentioned and could be fine. Nothing comes of it. But it could also be risky. You heard him talk about an athlete that might get caught up in a group and they don't really know what that group is doing and they're not recognizing themselves and advocating for themselves as an own, their own entity. And I'll just point out one more mistake he says athletes make, relying on their financial advisor and not performing an audit. You can go check out more interviews and content like this at Carlos carlosdiazjr.com. So something that just came up for me, I mean, being a female athlete myself, being you know a feminist and um, in the sports world, uh, something that's really interesting, I think, is this idea of you can have the biggest Uh, most popular professional female athletes I know you know in my sport of soccer it's it's Abby Wambach say or maybe Mia Hamm back in the day and those are those are household names but they're not making and they're brands in a sense but they weren't making they aren't making the same amount of money as their male athlete counterparts and I was just curious if yeah, if you're talking to a female athlete, in some ways, I would imagine there might be some similarities, um, but also, again, big differences uh, from that financial standpoint. So what do you what do you say in the approach to a female athlete?
0: It is, and it is very different, unfortunately. You know, it's the same thing with uh, WNBA players as well, too. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they're not paid as their male counterparts, or at least a, a substantial portion to their male counterparts. So it is It is a much different conversation because just like a lot of the conversation is driven for a lot of your sixth, seventh round draft picks in the NFL or unrestricted free agents where they either have a very low bonus or and just making league minimum, the focus really is more on the budgeting and the savings. And of course, there's always an emphasis on the tax planning aspect. And of course, some of the other things that fall underneath because you know, insurance is really important in that conversation as well too, your life insurance and disability insurance. Uh, of course, I always say that you don't wanna be insurance rich and cash poor, but those are always the considerations you wanna talk about versus someone that might be, or is earning a higher amount You you are focusing in a totally different way because now now you're dealing most likely with more with investments, but really the beginning conversation, especially uh, for female athletes, it would be the same conversation that I would have with uh, an NFL player that again sixth seventh round unrestricted free agent. You really want to put an emphasis on the budgeting and savings. I think overall in general that's probably the most important is the budget budgeting and savings.
1: And yeah, I guess just to finish off here, maybe like a th- synthesis of, of many things that you've said already. Um, not everyone here was a big-time athlete, but everyone listening could benefit a bit from some financial wisdom. What would you say are like your top three, your go-to, three pieces of advice, pieces of advice you give to an, an average client?
0: It doesn't matter whether you make20,000 dollars. half a million, a million or more. Everyone always has a budget, there's always a limit. So budgeting and savings is always the key, no matter, people think that, oh, well, if I can just double my income, all my problems go away. No, you just have more expensive problems, but the the same underlying issues never go away. So the budgeting and saving is by far number one. Look at the demographics, of somewhere that you're going to. So let's just say that you want to live in Dallas, Texas, you need to know what some of the common expenses are out there, how much how much rent is, etc. And be able to know that you're going to have to allocate this amount of money for those types of expenses for a while. Because for the most part, I think that people don't, just don't jump into a, a job or a career. You know, a lot of us that graduate college, especially, we're still trying to discover ourselves and find our way and see what really our calling or our passion is and if we're really just taken into the working community 20 years down the road may wake up saying I don't like what I do I absolutely hate what I do and so really part of that has to do with the mindset and the progression And the only way that you can have a little bit of of a buffer or a time is obviously being able to save as much as you can to be able to really find what your calling is. And sometimes it doesn't come right away. And sometimes you have to do things no matter what. But giving yourself an ample buffer is really the key there.
1: This is on the higher end, but he suggests 12 to 16 months worth of savings. And in calculating this number, it really means the money for your absolute necessities, food, shelter, that kind of thing.
0: Taxes, I would always say, is number two. And especially this year in 2020, where we have a lot of professional athletes that are very charitably inclined, this is a great year. People want to take advantage of the situation as we have a few months left in the year because there's some things that are on the table that haven't been on the table before. And along with that, of course, I would always say that asset protection is very important because there is, in today's world, a greater chance that the majority of us will get sued at some point in the future. And again, it's all about playing defense and not being caught off guard. And so if you're protected in certain ways, then you're setting yourself up for the future. You know, underneath that as well, too, we also have insurance. And a lot of times people think that asset protection is just only about insurance. Yeah, you know, to a degree, you do need some insurance. A lot of times we refer to umbrella insurance as asset protection, because especially if there's some sort of accident or something where somebody comes after you personally then the umbrella insurance will kick in. But it's not only about insurance, it's also setting yourself up in a legal way because for athletes, and especially in today's world, I think that today more than ever, athletes are starting their own businesses, their own brands, and just looking at that structure right from the start versus putting everything under their name where they're liable and can run into some a lot of potential problems in the future, setting up different corporations to absorb that, what I would call, liability.
1: But as you may be identified already as a thread running through this show, at the corest of cores is this.
0: You really need to get educated as far as for what's going on in your financial situation, and you need to be more hands-on. I think that's the biggest problem I see. With professional athletes is people are just not hands-on at all they often just want to set things aside have someone take care of it for them possibly not even have no accountability whatsoever and that's it and we're just playing this guessing game you don't play the guessing game take accountability take charge
1: i think we can all benefit from doing that thank you to carlos diaz jr for coming on to the podcast and thank you for listening. Hope to see you next time.